0: Welcome to AB3 Speaks with Monica and Takia, the podcast on academic business and branding where we talk about planning, building, running, and growing a business as Black-academic women who want to share their knowledge with the world.
1: I'm Takia Nur amin academic success strategist, dance scholar, and lover of all things luxury.
0: I'm Monica A. Coleman, professor, religious leader, and mom to an active growing kid. We have over 25 years combined experience of sharing our academic knowledge beyond the classroom, and we're telling you all the things we wish someone had told us.
1: We will share our values-led ways of monetizing your advanced education in today's global marketplace and highlight
0: Black academic women who are doing this with excellence and flair. So stay hydrated. Make sure you have something to write on and write with because class is in session.
1: All right, folks, here we are back again for part two of the things we wish we knew before we got into business. I am so excited to be talking to you about this. I know Monica is too. Um, We both have so many actionable lessons that (laughs) we hope you can learn from. Um, Take these lessons, share them, um, think through them and how they might impact your own entrepreneurial journey. I'm going to kick us off with number six. I wish I knew just how much fun it was to run my own business. Now, yes, there are aspects of running a business that are difficult and challenging and are tasks and skills that you have to develop and learn. And that is all true. But there is something about having the opportunity to operate in my gifts on my own terms with the people I want to work with in a format that I've developed that just feels very satisfying. Sometimes it feels so good, it's like I'm sparkling. Or um I feel effervescent, you know, like a something with a lot of bubbles in it, champagne or ginger ale, you know, your mileage may vary. I'm just saying that having an opportunity to do something that I love on my own terms is really satisfying at a soul deep level. Now let's be clear, I like my academic career. I like my career, I enjoy what I get to do. And yes, I am operating in my gifting in some way, but I created a business that's dynamic and flexible enough to wrap around all the things I wanna do. Whereas my day job doesn't necessarily give me that possibility or opportunity. So I created something that fits me. I don't have to fit into it. I created something that reflects me and looks the way I want to look. It situates my values at the center and allows me to put that forward in the world. It's a very soul satisfying, spiritually rich and encouraging thing to have in your, in your life. At least I've experienced it that way. If I had known how much fun it was going to be to help people, and serve people in the way that I get you through my company, Black Girl Brilliance, and then the work that Monica and I get to do together, I'm sure I would have sought to do it sooner.
0: You know, I completely agree. If you listen to the podcast where I talked about my story, You know, I started my business as a tax shelter, right? I was just trying to figure out how to work with the IRS in the best way, given some of the things that I was doing. And it's fun, not the tax shelter part, but the actual business itself is fun. You know, we happen to enjoy learning about it, researching it, improving, doing things better, the work we get to do in the world. It really is fun. And I don't know that we always present it that way as if it's going to be something that you're really going to enjoy doing. Well, number seven out of our list of top 10 things, I wish I had been more specific about some of the things I wanted to occur as I work with clients in my business. And for me, one of the biggest things about that is what it means when you're being recorded. And this is important in a post-COVID world, but it was important in a pre-COVID world as well. So many of us end up doing a lot of our work by email. (laughs) Like we just, that's how academics are actually used to working with each other. Well, you sent an email that works. You said, I emailed you, can you do this? You emailed, yes. I said, I can pay you this. Okay, good. And then at some point they send you some forms from the university that take either 10 minutes to fill out or whatever it might have you, and you're done. And there's all these things that you might not have thought about. Well, I wish I had been more thoughtful about recording. There are still times when I search my name on YouTube and find lectures or presentations I gave on YouTube that somebody else posted, whoever I worked with or a client, that I didn't give permission to post. Now, if I cared deeply, I could, of course, go back to them and say, hey, I didn't give written permission. You need to take that down. Um, But I wish I had been more on top of that, had thought about that sooner. Once I did think about it, that became a clause in my contracts. And we talk about that. One, stop making deals by email without using contracts. (laughs) That's an important thing to know. But to make sure I included how I wanted or what I was giving permission for, for something to be shared. And if it was going to be shared more widely, then I might adjust what the compensation for that might be if it's going to reach more than the audience that's right in front of me. So that's something that I really wish I had thought about before. I'm finding myself on YouTube giving a talk that I would have preferred maybe not to be on YouTube. So there are all types of ways in which whatever you're doing might get shared online. But if it's not what you intend, it's just something to be thoughtful about, I would say. And something that I wish I had paid more attention to, particularly for those who are doing workshops or giving talks or doing something that is going to be recorded.
1: You know, if I'm being honest, There are lots of groups and organizations who will seek to benefit from your intellectual property or the genius that you've put together to offer them in a keynote or a talk or a workshop or whatever it is. And if they can benefit several times over from what they paid you one time by uh, sharing that recording or that audio again and again, there are some organizations that will. So you're right, you do have to be careful to think about um, how you craft your contracts and what you allow people to keep or record or not record. I mean, I know some very prominent national speakers who have given keynotes in spaces that I've been in the last one to three years and they don't allow recording. They don't allow a transcript. Um, in many cases, it's because it's a signature talk that they give several places or there's content in the talk that's considered kind of proprietary, or it's going to show up in another format, a book, a film, something that they're working on. And so we might not think of ourselves always as being on the level of those people, whoever those people are, but I encourage you to do like Monica said, and take yourself seriously. You are as good as those people. Okay. You are as worthy as those people to protect your ideas and protect what you've put out into the world. So yes, Get out there um, with contracts and think very seriously about the rules and the standards that you've put around recording. Because folk will try to benefit from your stuff, you know, and the money they didn't pay you for it is long gone. Okay, I wish that this is number eight. I wish that I trusted that what I have to offer in my business is unique and special and different enough to exist in the world. And that I hadn't doubted myself. Um, When I was thinking about launching my company, there were certain people, I won't name them here, but if you know the work that I do as an academic success strategist and you've been in academia for a while, you might have some ideas of who I'm talking about. There were people already in the academic space who were offering advice and resources and kind of professional development um, to folks in our industry, and I wasn't um, as advanced in years as those people. I didn't have as long a career as those people. My experience, while rich, was different. Was decidedly different than those folks, and I labored over that? Um, Why would anybody listen to me if they can listen to insert so-and-so's name? Why would anybody come and take advantage of what I have to offer, what I have yet to accomplish, XYZ accomplishments that I thought I needed to have? The thing that I needed to know is that what I have to offer in the world is unique and special and comes not only from my expertise, but also from reflecting on the depth of my lived experience and nobody else in the marketplace has that, right? That's my secret sauce. For those of you who teach, um, you know, this is probably familiar to you. Even if I gave someone else the syllabus for my class, they couldn't teach my class. Because part of what I bring into the classroom is my own unique perspectives, personalities, pedagogical approaches. My own meanness comes to bear on everything that I do. And nobody has that except me. Nobody has what you have except you. That's part of what makes you special and different. Um, some of you know that in another lifetime, in a land far, far away and many moons ago, I was a pageant. Competitor for many years. And when you are competing in pageantry at very high national and international levels, everybody's beautiful. Everybody's got a dress. Everybody's very talented. So what do you have that makes you different, special, and unique? You have your experience, your training, your perspective, and the ways that you've brought that all together and packaged it in your business. Even if someone is trying to copy you or do what you do, be confident and know that they can't. Nobody can bring your secret sauce, your special sauce to the marketplace in the ways that you have.
0: And that's such an important one because there's always somebody else doing something like what you're doing, if there wasn't, there wouldn't be a market, right? For what you're doing. So it's it's good to feel like, okay, but I've I've got my way of doing it. Like, you know, I'm not the only person in the world who knows what I know and who talks about what I talk about. In fact, some of the other people who do are friends, our colleagues, our former students, right? Are people I know and like and respect but we're not competing right we 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 each bring something different to what we're doing and that's it takes a while to get to know that but i do like you takiya i wish i had kind of known that from jump street
1: right don't let that sense of um, comparison steal your joy you know i have a therapist who likes to remind me that compare brings despair so don't get so caught up in comparing yourself, or your business to other people that it stops you in your tracks from moving forward and doing what you want to do. Okay, next, we're at number nine now. I wish I had known more about taxes and compliance. Now, let's be clear. I, by personality, am a rule follower. Nothing feels as good to me as having my stuff together. I like to dot eyes. And cross tees. Um, I have friends and some family members that used to tease me because there was a time in my life where I had so little money, I had to have money dates every week to stay on top of my finances. I always knew exactly, down to the penny, how much I had in which account, and that's actually not a bad practice, by the way. You know, I encourage you if you are growing your wealth to 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 have regular money dates. But I, I, I'm generally a fastidious person. And at the same time, there are aspects of running my own business that I've been intimidated by. And surely, like some of you out there, the aspects that I've been more intimidated by, sometimes I've just shied away from them in favor of the stuff that I know how to do. Oh, I'll figure that part out later. Oh, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll hire somebody down the line. Oh, it won't be that big a deal. And then you realize that those things are absolutely critical. You know, I'm not a multimillionaire yet, knock on wood somebody, but as you're running your business, your finances get more complicated between personal and business. You don't want to be mixing all that money in the same account. You want to make sure that you are setting yourself up so that you can pay yourself. You want to make sure that if you're investing through the, through your business, that you're setting yourself up for lifetime income. These are all things that you can do and that you can aspire towards. But many of us as academics don't have the skill set to figure all this out. Um, even something you know that I'm sure many of you will resonate with, I'm a person who's very much on top of my student loans and repayment and all of that. And I'm still overwhelmed by that. So as organized as I try to be and as fastidious and, you know, kind of focused in that area, I still find it complicated and daunting to deal with. The same is true in my business. I don't know all the different tax laws and the rules that change and, what I'm eligible for at this threshold versus another threshold, and when it might be better to go from one kind of business formation to another kind of business formation. The good thing is, here in the land of 2023, you don't have to be an expert in everything. There are people who know taxes for business and business compliance way better than I ever will. There are people for whom that is their gift and their skill set. And so I'm all about letting people operate in their gifting. Who can I hire to make sure I stay on the right side of the IRS? Who can I hire to make sure, <laughs> you know, that my business is not in the in the in the toilet in terms of compliance? I like to save my time so that I can use my energy to work on the part of my business that I love, which is the service that I provide to clients. At the same time, I know that I can't continue to serve clients if my back end, the business part, the taxes, the compliance aren't handled properly. So I would encourage you, especially if you're just starting out or if you've been in business for a little while and this is a part that you've chosen not to look at or to ignore or to think you don't have to manage, I would encourage you not to be afraid and seek out the resources that can help you ensure that your business is on the right side of the IRS. Make sure that your business is compliant with your um, state and the federal laws, just ensuring that that business is handled will allow you to have one less thing on your brain in terms of managing your business that you don't have to focus on. That way you can be freed up or liberated to focus on the part of your business that you love, which is serving the client or community that you've chosen.
0: You know, and I wanted to add one thing to that, that is not particular to academics, but shows up a lot. And that is that most of us are not living wherever we grew up right? To advance, to be educated, we move, right? And we move more than the average American moves, I would say. Many of us move from one state to another state. And when you do that, not only are you moving your books and putting them in a new office and learning a new culture of the university where you work or where you have been, but state laws vary. (laughs) And the way you even set up your business or have to reset it up or change it when you change a state, is something that you just need to know you need to do. Uh, And it's not something you want to forget to do because then you have IRS problems and then you have compliance problems and then you have, you know, finances and charges. And again, you don't have to know how to do it, but it's good to know that that's something you need to make sure you're on top of or that you are hiring or working with somebody who's on top of that. Because some people set up small businesses like a storefront and that's where it is. And it stays right there for the next 30, 40 years. But few of us are operating businesses that work like that. Number 10, what I wish I had known when I started is that this business is actually a viable career option for me. Like I said earlier, I wasn't thinking about it this way. They were just these things I was doing on the side and I wanted to figure out, you know, how not to get taxed out the ear with the things that I was doing in addition to my day job. I didn't think about this as this is a viable career, as what if I could actually stop working in the academy and do this full time. I could retire into this. I could see this as a part of what I do. I didn't see it that way. I didn't think of it as there are many ways to meet my personal and professional goals and my business can be one of them. That it isn't just a tax shelter, it isn't just something I'm doing on the side, but that it's part of my personal and professional fulfillment, and that this actually is part of my career. I think many of us, particularly if you are in my generation, we're kind of taught that there's this one path in the academy. And even though we all know that everyone doesn't go into tenure track jobs at Research One or small liberal arts colleges, not everybody wants to do that. I think doctoral education still acts like that, right? Higher ed still acts like there's one path and this is the path we're training you for and you're becoming an apprentice to that path. You might want that path and it may not work out. You might want that path, it does work out. You might not even want that path. But to think of it as like my business is actually part of my career and part of how I am living out my career and part of what I'm doing with all this knowledge and information and smarts and credentials that I have. I hadn't thought about that from the beginning. And I don't know if it would have felt weighty if I (laughs) hadn't thought about it that way. But it is nice for me to also think that this is not just a little something on the side, which I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking of it that way. But I wish I had known, like, hey, this is actually going to become part of my career, part of what I find fulfilling, and part of the ways in which I meet my personal and professional goals.
1: All right. We hope you've benefited some from listening to the previous episode and this one. Some of the key things that we wish we'd known before we stepped into um, these lives we have as business owners and entrepreneurs. You know, Monica and I are both people who um, believe in strategic disclosure. You will not likely find us uh, what she would call bleeding on the internet and telling all of our business in the world, but, We do believe that there's some value in sharing our lived experiences when we know that it's a possibility that these things can liberate and support other folks. Like that's a part of the responsibility of what it means to be in community. We have to share what we have with others, especially when we know that it might benefit them in really important material ways. These are lessons that had we known them earlier would have brought us, I would argue, not just more ease and more pleasure, but arguably more money in running our businesses. And that's what we wish for you. We wish you to have businesses that bring deep fulfillment and ease and pleasure and more proximity to your financial goals and more money for you. So please take these lessons to heart. Know that we offer them from a place of community and generosity, and we do so in the hopes that they will support you in your own entrepreneurial endeavors.
0: So listen back for the last episode in this episode to catch the top 10 things we wish we had known when we started our black academic Entrepreneurial Businesses.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of AB3 Speaks with Monica and Takiya. We do this podcast because we want to serve and
0: support Black academic women's entrepreneurial dreams. So subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We read every one, and this will help others to find the show. If you're looking to take the next step in your career, go to blackademicbraintrust.com where you can join our amazing community and get our free resource on the 12 questions you should ask yourself before becoming a Blackademic entrepreneur.
1: Our mission is to nurture your entrepreneurial dreams within and beyond the academy and build a business that both sustains and offers you freedom. We look forward to you finding and joining us at blackademicbraintrust.com.
0: Because we want you to win.